like to invite the children to come toward the screen. If you are able, come closer and we'll have a little chat. I'm glad that you're with us this morning. I think it's really important that kids are together with adults in worship because kids help us to look at things a little differently sometimes. You guys have a really good perspective on the world that adults need to hear sometimes. I brought this morning some books with me. Now, my, oops, my, hus- my uh, son is a first grader. He just finished first grade. I guess that would make him a second grader. And he went, got some books from the library recently. I'm really excited that our library is open again here in Nashville. You can't go inside yet, but you can order books and they'll bring them to your car. And so my son got a few books recently, and I thought I'd share some with you. Um, This is a book that is kind of an adventure book. I think this is a fun book. It's about adventure. And this book, I think, is kind of maybe a little silly. And this book looks pretty scary to me. I don't know. You know, the Bible is kind of like a library in some ways. It's full of lots of different kinds of stories. Some of the stories in the Bible are happy stories, like when Jesus was born. Some of the stories in the Bible are sad, like when Jesus died. And some of the stories in the Bible, I think they can be kind of confusing, And sometimes they can be a little scary. And you know, I think that God wants to hear what we think about these stories and how they make us feel and what questions we have about them. I think that God wants to hear all of that because God loves us and God cares about us and God wants to know what's going on with us. And I think that we, when we have questions or big feelings about a story, we can also talk to family and friends who love us. They want to hear what we think too. They want to hear how these stories make us feel and what questions we have. Now I have to say, sometimes adults don't have all the answers. I have some big questions about this story that we heard this morning. And I'm going to go talk to God about those questions And I've also been talking to lots of other people who I love about those questions. And I think that's a good thing. I think that when we talk about all of these things with people that we love, we grow grow closer to those people. God helps us to grow closer to each other when we talk about these things. And I think that's a really good thing. So if you have some feelings about the story that you heard today, or you have some questions, Find an adult or someone who loves you who can talk about those things with you. And if you're having a hard time finding someone who wants to talk to you about those things, ask your parents to send me an email, and I'll be happy to have a Zoom call with you and talk about them. Pastor Maggie, too, I think, and Pastor Brandon. Let's have a prayer. God, we thank you for the stories in the Bible. We thank you for how they give us things to think about, for how they give us things to talk about with each other, and for how they draw us closer to you. Help us when we have big feelings or big questions to tell you about them. Help us to tell others about them, and help us to listen as well. Help us to grow closer to you and to each other. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Would you pray with me? Oh God, may the words that I speak, may the thoughts that we think be acceptable to you. For you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. If you ask my husband, he will tell you that I only like to watch movies with happy endings. This annoys him to no end. We will watch a critically acclaimed movie with a gripping plot and an excellent cast, but if it has any kind of ambiguity or unresolved tension or tragedy at the end, I will declare that it is a terrible movie. It doesn't matter how good the rest of it was. If it was up to me, everything would be wrapped up with a nice little bow and everyone would live happily ever after. The same goes for Bible stories, of course. I want nice little bows and happy endings. I want my faith to be a source of joy and peace. I wanna go to church or watch worship or be in worship online and I wanna hear things that are uplifting and positive, not ambiguous or depressing. I want things wrapped up in a nice little bow, and I don't want to be made uncomfortable by what is read or said in church. So if you're anything like me, our scripture text this morning makes you squirm. In fact, I would go so far to say for myself that I find this story horrifying. It makes me angry, It makes me sad. It raises all sorts of questions for me. For example, what was wrong with Abraham? What kind of a parent would do that to their child? I I can't even with Abraham. And what about Sarah? Did she know what was going on? Did she know what Abraham was about to do? And if so, why didn't she try to stop him? And then there's the other character in this story, God. I'm sorry, God, but that is not cool. What kind of a test is that? Why test Abraham in the first place? Isn't God supposed to be all-knowing? Shouldn't God have known what Abraham would do? When I read this story, it just seems like an example of divine child abuse. It seems like Isaac is just a pawn in this messed up relationship between God and Abraham. We never even hear what Isaac thinks about all of this. Of course, on the surface, this story does have a happy ending. Abraham passed God's test, God provided a ram, and everyone lived happily ever after. As a child, I was taught that the point of this story was that Abraham was obedient to God. 
And because Abraham was faithful, God was able to use him to create a whole nation. But I just don't think that the end justifies the means in this story. How did Abraham's blind obedience affect Isaac? What does this story say about the value of human life, particularly that of children? And what about the nature of God? Where is the God of love in this story? I just can't seem to let go of these questions as much as I would like to. The late author, Rachel Held Evans, had some similar questions. In her book, Inspired, she names these questions in the context of the Jewish Midrash. Midrash is an ancient practice of interpreting scripture by asking questions of the text and then exploring and expanding it through parables. Evans says, as it turns out, Jews believe that these questions are up for debate. They are instructive not only when we arrive at an answer, but when the ensuing discussion reveals something important to us about our faith, or about our community, or about ourselves. She says, while Christians tend to turn to scripture to end a conversation, Jews turn to scripture to start a conversation. She goes on to describe this kind of engagement with scripture through the eyes of a Jewish friend who hosted a dinner party. The friend's rabbi husband invited over a group of fellow rabbis and scholars and other friends, and she said, we were debating application of Torah long into the night. Everyone brought a different point of view. No one could exactly agree. Shouts of hearty agreement and fierce dissent woke the baby twice, and we nearly ran out of food. For a group of Jews, she said with a laugh, it was the perfect evening. So what if my questions are actually a good thing? What if they're not something to resist, but instead are worthy of engagement? In fact, what if that's one purpose of this text? To stir up questions within us, to make us wrestle with God and with our faith, not just to wrap things up in a nice pretty bow. In his own wrestling with this text, author Leonard Sweet uses the tradition of midrash to imagine that God might have been disappointed with Abraham. He points to Genesis chapter 18 where God is going to destroy Sodom. In this story, Abraham intervenes and negotiates with God to save the city. But Sweet wonders why Abraham is willing to go head to head with God to save the children of strangers but he doesn't even question God's call to sacrifice Isaac. He just does what God says, no questions asked. Abraham says, excuse me, Sweet says, Abraham carried out a very difficult assignment at God's request. So in a technical sense, he was obedient. But God wants our obedience in the context of a relationship. God wants our hearts, our minds, our bodies, and our souls. God wants fully engaged obedience, not reflexive obedience. God wants our love. In other words, 
Sweet imagines that, like Jacob, God wanted to wrestle with Abraham, to be in full contact relationship with him. But instead, Abraham turned away from deep engagement. And in the process, perhaps, perhaps he sacrificed a deeper relationship with God. We are doing a lot of wrestling in our country right now. This pandemic has stirred up all sorts of questions about what it means to have individual freedom and what it means to care for our neighbors. We're in the middle of an election year and questions are swirling about what it means to be faithful in such a polarized nation. On this Pride weekend here in Nashville, we are reminded that there's still ambiguity in our country and in our church about the rights and safety and value of those in the LGBTQIA community. And then there's the recent murders of people of color in our nation, which have highlighted questions about what it means to be the family of God in a culture, and yes, even in a church that still bears the marks of racism. It is all so uncomfortable. There aren't easy answers, and there aren't happy endings tied in a pretty bow. And I'm going to be honest, I want to be a good Christian. I want to do and say the right things, but I get defensive a lot, and I get angry a lot. And sometimes I just feel so overwhelmed by all of the questions and all of the tensions that I am not sure what to do. So I don't do anything. It seems easier to just turn off the news, stick my head in the sand, and ignore it all. At home, in my neighborhood, and especially in my church, I want to be comforted. I don't want to be challenged. But then my privilege smacks me in the face. I know that many people I love and many people I've never met can't ignore these things no matter how much they'd like to. So I have to wonder. I have to wonder if a more faithful and a more fruitful response to all of these questions is not to ignore them or bury them, but to wrestle with them. Rachel Held Evans says that for Jewish readers, the tensions and questions produced by scripture aren't obstacles to be avoided, but rather opportunities for engagement. They are invitations to join the great conversation between God and God's people that has been going on for centuries and to which everyone is invited. In the same way, I wonder what would happen if we viewed all that's going on right now in our world as an opportunity. What if it's an invitation to trust? What if it's an invitation to trust that the God who wants to be in relationship with us is indeed with us, and God invites our questions and our struggles? 
What if it's an invitation to trust that God will provide the energy and the courage we need to enter into those deep waters of conversation and self-examination and to do it with humility and a willingness to listen? What if it's an invitation to trust that all of the struggle all of the wrestling will ultimately help us grow in our faith, that it will draw us closer to God and to God's people. Pastor Nadia Boltz Weber says, my spirituality is most active, not in meditation, but in the moments when I have to bear witness to another human being's suffering despite my desire to be left alone. And when traumatic things happen in the world and I have nowhere to place them or make sense of them, but what I do have is a group of people who will gather with me every week, people who will mourn and pray with me over the devastation. And when I end up changed by loving someone I'd never choose out of a catalog, but whom God sends my way to teach me about God's love. Friends, maybe your questions will take you deeper into the Bible. Maybe your questions will lead to more questions, and you'll wrestle with God about what this is all about and what it means. Maybe you'll end up with a deeper love and a deeper appreciation for this text that is both ancient and living, and for the God of whom it speaks. Maybe your questions will draw you inward. Maybe they'll lead you to re-examine some of your old beliefs and assumptions. Maybe they'll give you a different perspective on yourself and on the world. And maybe, maybe your questions will draw you out. Maybe your questions will draw you out of your complacency. Maybe they'll mobilize you in the work of bringing about justice. Maybe they'll be a catalyst for a new way of being in the world. I can't give you definitive answers about this story of Abraham and Isaac. I have wrestled with this text all week, and in the end, all I could do was weep. For Abraham, for Isaac, even that poor ram, and for our world. I am no closer to final answers and pretty bows than I was when I started. But after all that, I can tell you this. Wrestling with our questions might be challenging and we might prefer to seek out comfort instead. But I don't think that comfort and challenge have to be mutually ex exclusive. I found comfort in knowing that God welcomes our questions, our struggles, our insecurities and vulnerabilities, because God wants to be in relationship with us, all of us, our hearts, our minds, our bodies, and our souls. I found comfort in knowing that God is present 
that God provides, even in this challenging text, even in this challenging time, even in this challenging world. And I found comfort in the knowledge that God can use our wrestling to bring about transformation and growth. At the end of the day, after all of this wrestling, I didn't find a God who gave me all the answers. I think I just have to let go of that. But I did find a God in whom I can trust. So friends, hear these words. These are words from Pastor Sandra Willoughby. Take heart. Love comes to meet us in the midst of our struggle, grappling with us, changing us, and blessing us. May it be so. Amen.